Long. Way outside for the three. It's good. He got it. It's good. Season for Texas, they finished 34 and 0. The number one ranked team from beginning to end, winning their first NCAA championship. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Texas 24 podcast on the Dave Campbell's Podcast Network. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me today to continue our preview podcast series is Ishmael Johnson. Ish, how are you doing today? We're doing good, man. We're, we're recording this, uh, as you, as everybody who's listening knows, we're recording these and then stocking them and, and dropping them as, as uh, the Did they know that? Kinda, well, they'll learn that now. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we're, we're kind of... It's, fu- it's funny having a shift back into basketball mode because, of course, conference realignment is just destroying the news right now. Um, of course, tangentially, that affects basketball, too, but uh, it's all just from uh, a domino effect of football. And so, uh, yeah, today, the, the day we're recording this preview was the day that the Sun Belt affi- uh, rumored to uh, expand to four more teams, uh, I, I think. Marshall and Southern Miss were the teams that were announced beforehand, but today uh, we are on, this is Friday, October 22nd. Uh, today, JMU and ODU are reportedly joining as well. So just tons of news and rest in peace, Cusa. Rest in peace to Cusa, man. It's the USA, my, my, my home, my, the, the conference that treated me so well. It's uh, the headquarters is here in Irving, like, or I'm not here. I'm in go. Louisville, but like, we're, well, yeah, yeah. The um, big 12 is in there is Irving is in Irving. I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's like, I'm going to, they're going to have to move that. There's no reason to keep it in Frisco anymore. Like that's nuts. Well, I have no clue what they're going to do. Just no idea at Bruh. all. It's, it's done, man. It's done. Yeah. I don't, just whatever, but that, that we'll worry about that in a couple of years when we, whenever we do the podcast for previewing yep. uh 2020, whenever that happens, 23, 24, yeah. uh, in the future. But today we have DFW kind of, uh, podcast uh, with TCU, SMU, and UTRGV. Um, UTRGV is 500 miles away from the DFW area. So no, they are not technically DFW, but we had to fit them in somewhere. So <laughs> don't ask questions, just enjoy the, the RGV podcast uh, at the end. But yeah, for those of you who haven't already listened to our other podcasts, feel free to check those out. Um, we spend six minutes on every team, men's and women's for both, uh, for every school. So again, today we'll go through these three schools, that's six teams in total. And try to spend six minutes on each one, give our thoughts, predictions, all that good stuff. So SMU, let me get my phone out actually before we do this. Sorry, I'm a little scrambled right now. I had to go. I was going, I was playing basketball the last couple hours. Had to oh, okay. figure one of us has to be good at basketball here on this podcast. <laughs> you don't even, you don't even, you've never even seen me play. So I, I don't no, know. Why, I know I have no to... <laughs> It's okay. I'm very much, I'm very much Danny Green in terms of don't let me dribble. But I got you from the corner. I got you. Oh, good, right. good. Hey, whenever, whenever next time I come up, like over next summer, we get the two on twos with somebody at the D- Dave Campbell's uh, thing. We can run a two on two. Well, let's do it. We got some guys with the LA Fitness passes over here. So, oh, beautiful. We'll get beautiful. it All right. All right. TCU, TCU, uh, you can lead us off with the men's. Yeah. All right. So last year, TCU, let me see if I can actually bring up their schedule. Um, I can transition, I can do a little bit of a transition. Uh, long story short, this is kind of Jamie Dixon's prove it year. 
they went 12 and 14 last year, five and 11. Um, it was kind of the RJ Nemhard show and just kind of everybody else. Uh, it, it really showed last year how much Desmond Bain, they relied on Desmond Bain the year before. Uh, Cause the minute he leaves, they are done in basically so many, so many categories. And so I think Jamie Dixon knows it's very much a prove it year because he more or less restructured this roster. He brings in immediate contributors like a, um, a Micah, Micah Peavy, potentially Emmanuel Miller, who I really like. Um, I'm trying to think of the Shahada Wells. Yeah. Shahada Wells from UTA. A lot of guys who can contribute right away because I think he sees this as kind of a prove it year. They were, they won the NIT a couple years ago. They made the NIT, I believe a couple years ago. And then it's just been downhill since then. There's really been no momentum until I'd say this year, kind of right. Stuff to, we still have to see what's going on, but I'm intrigued by this team. And that's something I haven't said in the past couple of years, because when Des- Desmond Baines last year, I did kind of see that team as Desmond Bain and everybody else last year it kind of became RJ Nemhard and everybody else this year. There are more pieces there. Micah Peavy still has to kind of prove himself as a collegiate player, but I like him. I like Emmanuel Miller a lot. I like uh, there's they have some interesting prospects like an Eddie Lampkin things guys that are probably still unproven but uh, uh, coming in Jacoby Coles I think he's he's an interesting guy coming in from Butler of course from uh, Denton Geyer I like pieces here how they gel together and how Jamie Dixon gets them to play that's another story again that it will talk about another team SMU who's doing something similar with a coach in a similar position. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting because offensively they weren't great. They were better offensively than defensively. I think defensively they were pretty poor in terms of forcing turnovers. They defended. They they didn't foul very much. They didn't get teams didn't get to the free throw line against them. So I guess that was kind of something that fell in their in their favor. But um, yeah, there there's a lot to work. There's a lot that needs to be fixed here, and I'm I'm curious how they do because I'm looking at their conference schedule last year, and I mean. They basically lost to every good team they played. Yeah. Uh, they, they beat Kansas State, Oklahoma State, which was a good win, um, Iowa State twice, and that's it. Yeah, that's and, it. Yeah, so uh, you have a – I guess the only feather in the cap is they hung around Kansas once in their one game they played against – they, they hang played, around with Texas too? They hang around they – hung around – uh yeah in the second game uh 76 64 um but also they got blown out against those teams too like in the first game against kansas 93 64 baylor 67 49 um yeah i don't know it's a very up and down year last year and a lot of new faces yeah we have to i mean also mention mike miles obviously in the the backcourt um he was selected to the all big 12 uh preseason team which surprised both of us to an extent Mm -hmm. um i think he's good obviously but you know that is a pretty high you know accolade for a guard of his stature at uh, as a sophomore he was very good as a freshman but still all big 12 is a big leap forward um they averaged two and a half less assists per game than than their opponents and still had a minus 2.7 turnover margin so, you know, you combine those things, they're less assist and they're more turnovers. That's really a bad combination. Um, but right. you mentioned the addition, the additions. I mean, Shahada Wells, we presume to be probably the starting point guard, or if not a kind of flamethrower off the bench. 
Um, Choco Bannon's a returner. Uh, Manuel Miller from AM is an interesting addition, like you said. Uh, Suleimane uh, Dumbia, uh, 6'11 center, was the number four junior college player in the country last year. Um, and he's, I mean, I can see him stepping into that front court and kind of starting because other than him, they don't have a single player over six, seven besides Eddie Lampkin, which you mentioned, which I still yeah. need to see more of. So I think Dumbia, oh, they also have Xavier Cork, who's a, a junior uh, transfer from West Carolina. So six, mm-hmm. nine. Um, but other than that, they don't have too much size. So, you know, Micah Peavy, I think gets a lot of those minutes at the four and the three. Um, I don't think he starts, but I think he gets a good amount of minutes. Jacoby Coles is an interesting name. So you have a lot of interesting pieces here. It's hard for me to project that this team is going to take a significant step forward in the big 12 with these players. Like, I think they've gotten better talent wise, mm-hmm. but like, are these like, even if they come together, like as good as they can be, like they hit their ceiling. Do we think they can be a top five team in, in the big 12? Like that's, that's a lot from this group specifically. I don't see an, Do you see like an NBA player on this team? I mean, mm. That's that's a that's a good question right that's, there. That's what I'm saying. Like the ceiling of this team, I feel like is not that high, but they yeah. have talent, which is they raise. That's a good. They raise the floor. I don't think they raise the ceiling. Um, yeah, I, I I think a lot of what because I'm trying to let me see, let me see if I can look up Jamie Dixon's record, uh, just overall record it's, year to year. So his first year, they go 24 and 15, right? Six and 12 in the Big 12. I think that's about where they can be, right? I think that like six and twelve, maybe they scrap a couple game, a couple better games, you know, better more wins than that. Um, but I think about twenty, if they can aim for that twenty-five win margin, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Um, I'm looking, at, I'm trying to look at their schedule to see how tough their non-conference is, but I don't know. I'm not. Their non-conference <laughs> this year is easy. Yeah, so I easy. I'd say that twenty-five mark would be enough to save, you know, to, to really buy Jamie Dixon some more time. Cause that's been the thing. It's been how they've basically been under 500 total. And like, sure. It's one thing to be under 500 in the big 12. It's one of the toughest conferences in, in the country, but it's another thing to be 16 and 16 and 12 and 14 overall. Right. So right. if they can be 20, 25, 26, seven wins, I, I, I think they're good. I think he's okay. And a lot of this team rolls over. So then you can talk about, what happens after this? Yeah. To, to, to wrap it up, I mean, they have 13 or 14 non-conference games, and they should be favored, I think, in every single one. Like, I don't even – they play LSU, and LSU's best player just got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, I think LSU will probably still be better, so that, you know, take that one, whatever. But, sure. I mean, that's 13, 14 games where they're going to be probably the better team in those for the most part. So – and then you get into conference, and if you can muster up eight – how many conference games are there here? Are there 18, 16? One, two, three, four. You count them out. And then – um, so I, I think the floor ceiling thing is really interesting with this team because the talent on this team, I don't think will allow them to be significantly worse or even – I don't 18. think they – 18. I don't think they can be really worse than last year. Like just because I think they're deeper, I think they have more talent, but like, I I can't say that they're going to be significantly better here. So sure. Sure. And especially because, I mean, you look at the big 12 overall, basically the only thing I think in the, in, in their favor is continuity, right. In terms of the, the voice that's in the locker room, right. Uh, Jamie Dixon. I think that because you look at Oklahoma, obviously uh, Porter Moser's coming in. You look at Oklahoma State; they're bringing in, you know, Mike Boynton. They're obviously uh, turning over New Leaf, but they lose Cade Cunningham. Um, Tech obviously has Mark Adams, who's somewhat continuity, but still different different variation. 
the biggest benefit I could say is that they have the same head coach and, you know, there's still some change happening there. Iowa state's probably still going to be a, a pace behind them. Um, Kansas state might still be a pace behind them. It might still be a year away for Oklahoma. That's yeah. kind of the benefit, but I don't see, I look at the rest, Oklahoma state, West Virginia tech, Kansas, Texas, Baylor. I don't see them passing any of those. Yeah. Teams. No. All right. 18 games. What's our prediction here? Mm-hmm. 18. Where are you leaning? I think I feel like we're we're on the similar similar trajectory here with this one. Yeah. I think this is there's not too much wiggle room here. I'm between seven and eight wins. Um, I'm gonna I'm uh, I'm gonna be. No, I can't be that optimistic. I'm gonna go seven and eleven. Come on, seven. I think I'm gonna go seven and eleven as well. Yeah, I just I tried willing myself to eight wins, but I just I think that like I said, they'll probably scrap one against a Baylor or Texas, right? I think they could they could definitely pull an upset here or there, but they're also gonna be a team that consistently I think just can't punch up to that level. I mean, a jump from five and eleven to seven and eleven, obviously they're two different games. I mean, that's sure something. Sure, no, hundred percent. It shows that they're a better team, but the conference I just don't think allows them to take that step forward here. Right. All right, TCU women's typing in our record predictions, have a running log. All right, the women's. I already went over our time. That's okay. Six minutes. Um, the women's for TCU uh, went 10 and 15 last year, 4 and 14 in the conference. Head coach Reagan Peebley. They were a minus 2.9 rebounds per game. Uh, they had nine. It was really weird. They had nine different players start, and it wasn't because of injuries. Like, you just look at their team, and it was like, Okay, this person started like five games. This person started like four games. This person started like ten. And I was like, "What? What is really going on here with mm-hmm. team?" Because obviously, when we started this podcast, it was later into the year, and so we didn't have a full grasp of a lot of, or at least I didn't, of a lot of some mm-hmm. of the teams. And so it's weird to to see that. But then you look at who they return, and they return a lot, mm-hmm. a lot. And so you look at. Their starting five is basically all back, right? Lauren Hurd, Aaliyah Jackson. We covered on the uh, Backcourts podcast we did a couple of weeks ago, um, maybe a month ago at this point. Um, mm-hmm. Talked about those two. Uh, Tavi Diggs as well. Michelle Berry in the front court. Yummy Morris in the front court. That's their five starters. And then you got Asia Holmes, uh, Caroline Germand, um, Kayla, Kayla Moku. I can't say that name. Mokua? Mokua. There you go. Yeah. Um, at 6'4 center. So, I mean... They return basically like they're, they're what nine of their top 10 players, basically at, right. at least. And then you bring in uh, an Arizona transfer in uh, Tara M. I'm not going to try to pronounce the name, Manamaluga, and a couple other players that give you some depth. But mm-hmm. um, I it's it's pretty much the same team as last year. Yeah. So to me, Reagan Peebley is one of the most underrated coaches in the country because I think she's done a pretty stellar job at, at TCU last year. I guess say two years ago was her senior heavy year, right? That was kind of the year that they were going to punch up and try to get into the, the, the NCAA tournament. They had made a semifinal run in the NIT the past two years. And of course, you know what happened? COVID cancels their season. They go 22 and seven, 13 and five in the big 12 that year. And they finished second, right? That they, they were absolutely ready to make the NCAA tournament. Obviously they lose their, basically their entire team to graduation. And so, Last year was a hard, hard reset. And I think that's, you mentioned, I think that's why they were seeing a lot of different lineups. She was trying to see, you know, on the fly, okay, who can I trust, right? Who can I play? Who's the who's the next up kind of players? Obviously, Lauren Hurd 
and uh, uh, Michelle Berry kind of established themselves pretty early as the two top minutes getters. And I think that's going to pay off this year. I, I'm really interested to see how this team can, can continue and, and, and improve because so they weren't, they were, there's like little nuggets that they were in, they were good at defensively. Like they were good at the three point line overall. They probably weren't the greatest, uh, but they were pretty average nationally in, ter- in offense. Um, and basically in all their shooting metrics, almost shot 40% as a team from, from the field uh, 30%. You want that to improve from three, of course, uh, almost 45% from effective field goal percentage as a team. Like there's little kernels there where it's like, okay, if they just maybe have another year together, we'll see where that goes. Defensively got improved. They were, de- they were really good at defensive rebounding and they were good at preventing offensive rebounds. They need to get better at, 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 uh, uh I'm trying to think, uh, Teams were better at defensive rebounding against them. I believe they were 321st in the country in offensive in um, defensive rebounds allowed. So there, there's little things here and there, right? They're give and take some. They were one of the best teams in terms of assists per game. Uh, turnover rate was really good. I believe they uh, had a 17% turnover rate and assist to turnover ratio was almost one. It was about 0.96. There's little things there here and there that I'm really interested to see that uh turns around because like you mentioned basically everybody's back you only bring in a couple players here and there i think it was smart not to try and bring in a lot of outside talent see if somebody's freshman as well four yeah. four, four freshmen pretty much exactly um, exactly and i think and the, the whole the whole starting lineup is graduate senior graduate senior junior mm-hmm. graduate senior senior so yeah so i think that the whole people is the right type of coach to have to kind of expect a a bump up i guess um, I think she's done a good good enough job to to warrant that kind of expectation from this team. The thing about um, this team is they have a go-to player here, which I think mm-hmm. is a big deal yeah. in basketball, obviously. And when you have Lauren Hurd, two-time All-Big 12 first team, I mean, just fills it up at will. We talked about this at length on, on the uh, Backcourt podcast where I was like, I was advocating for, her, for Lauren Hurd and Tavi Diggs and Aaliyah Jackson because like, it's not their fault they were bad last year. Like they were literally like carrying the team. Lauren Hurd was putting up twenty right. so much production coming out of that backcourt. It's like we go through the box score and it's like, all right, these two girls combined for thirty-seven points. The rest of the team combined for like twenty-three. Like, right. what can you do? So the players around them, I'm interested to see if they how they take a step forward because you do have a ball dominant backcourt here that does create, but. If the front court can take a step forward, I'm sure the backcourt will trust them more, and you know the people will institute whether it's more motion whatever it is to get them more involved so that way lauren doesn't have to do everything it's just there's a lot of opportunity for this team to take significant steps forward this year so it's kind of like it's a little different from the from the men's team right the men's team we're like i don't know like where this top 10 talent is we see lauren hurd is going to be a three-time all big 12 first team selection most likely right right. that's where it is so I'm interested to see it. I just, this is a really, really interesting team to me because I think that their ceiling is pretty high despite, I mean, in comparison to where they were last year. Yeah. All right. You ready to predict? All right. I think I am. The only issue with the predictions is big 12 is still the big 12. Uh-huh. I right. Baylor, you go down the list. Yeah. And you have Texas tech under Krista Gerlich again, uh, another year under her. Texas. Yeah. We'll see. Um, that's kind of my only hesitation because they could be better. 
and still probably not have that much better of a record. Yeah. Um, so 18 games. I'm going to see what was the record last year again? Four and 14. Four and 14. I'm going to be an optimist here, but I'm scared of their defense. But I'm, yeah. I'm going to be an optimist because I need to be more optimistic in life. I'm going to go <laughs> eight and 10. Okay. Eight and 10. I like that a lot. I'm looking at their losses now. They had some close losses last year. Yeah, I, mean, I was about they to say, they're, they're, there's not bad. I mean, like, you know, Baylor is always going to be. I think there were three back. losses of 20 plus last year, if I saw right. correctly. Basically, like, like I think, mm, yeah, I could see this. Okay. 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 I'm going to go nine and nine. There you go. I'm going to go nine and nine because, again, their only blowout losses were to Baylor and Oklahoma State. And they had one to Texas. The other one was pretty close with Texas. So okay. I think, yeah, nine and nine. All right. All right. That was our TCU segment. Let's get to SMU, the very interesting school. Um, I mean, we'll we'll get to the women's later. Let's get to the men's first. Yeah. Uh, You you can go first. All right. Let me bring up their schedule really fast. SMU. What'd you say? No, I said unprepared. That's okay. Go ahead. All right. (laughs) SMU. Uh, 11 and six last year, seven and four in conference. Uh, Tim Jankovic has kind of been on a downslide ever since their 30 and five year. I think his first or second year. Um, I think it was his second year, second full year in charge. They went 30 and five, 17 and one. And of course, were one of the dark horses in that NCAA tournament. It's been kind of a downturn this year. I similar to Jamie Dixon, it's very clear that Todd Jankovic, no, Tim Jankovic knows that. This is a year that they need some results because he goes in and he sees the the, the playmaking star and uh, uh, um, Kendrick Davis and he sees him coming back, gets a huge blessing in him coming back. And he says, OK, let's surround this dude with talent. We're not going to rely on this dude to do everything like last year. And basically, I think he's assembled at least the most in- interesting team in the in, in the state at least as far as I'm concerned. Yes. So defensively, they were pretty good. Not from a three-point line. They were terrible from the three-point line, defending the three-point line. Teams shot almost 35% against them. Stepping inside that, they were ninth in the country in two-point percentage, right? They were 42nd in the country in uh, free throw percentage, um, uh, uh, teams getting to the free throw line against them, right? So they were solid uh, at not fouling. They were solid inside the arc defensively. They could block shots. I believe they were 25th in the nation in block percentage. And even with just Kendrick Davis being that only guy, they were still about 80th in the country in effective field goal percentage. And when you just have one guy basically doing so much of the playmaking and the scoring, that's I think that's a feather in your cap that he's that one, he's that good, right? That you can get a, 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 a shooting percentage above 50% with just one guy doing shouldering so much of the load. And I believe they were 47th in adjusted efficiency on offense. Yeah. I think this is going to be, of course, in the offseason, we mentioned it. They go get Michael Weathers. They go get Marcus Weathers. They go get, um, uh, I'm forgetting, Sam Houston State. Zach uh, Nuttall. Zach Nuttall, uh, Southland play, Player of the Year last year. And, the, and Tim, <laughs> Tim Jankovic basically says, let's win some games. Let's play some ball. Let's, let's get a lot better. Because I think the AAC is also, I don't say vulnerable, but they're in a position, they're, there's a top heavy of the AAC, then I think there's a very nebulous middle that SMU could easily push up from. Yeah. The thing last year, and you mentioned it, 
the defense was good statistically. And I think a Kim Palm had them around the 75, 76 mark. And like the off the offense was 47. So they're a good team last year, but like from a talent perspective, offensively, they were just so limited that Kendrick Davis had to do so much for that team. Yeah. Defensively though, they lose for Ron hunt. Mm, that's a big to loss, the NBA. Yeah. That's a big loss. And you replace him with not defenders, like not, not great defenders. So that right. that's one, I mean, you do get Tristan Clark, right? That's the one sure. big one. That, yeah. That's so another one I missed. Yeah. That's Tristan one Clark from Baylor obviously has had some injury uh, history, mm-hmm. but I expect him if he's healthy, probably be a starter at this point in the front court. Um, you do have Isaiah J- JC in the front court as well, six foot 10. Uh, so you're looking at those two, six, 10 guys to presumably be your rim protectors. But outside of those two, you don't have a lot of like to replace that Ferran Hunt tenacity on defense. And that's going to be a really sure. interesting thing. But I mean, who am I kidding here? When you look at this roster, nobody cares about this defense. I was going to say this. Like, this is just a bunch of hoopers, man. Like, like what are we talking about? Like, who cares that Ferran Hunt's gone, man? We got the Weathers brothers in here. We got uh, Zach Nuttall and Kendrick Davis in the same backcourt. Um, I mean, you got Emmanuel ben- uh, Bandamel out here who I have in, I have a little description box and I put dirty work. So mm-hmm. let him just do everything, you know, in between and just let the other guys hoop pretty much. That's what it feels like. Um, yeah. But I mean, the defensive stats last year, give me hope moving forward that mm-hmm. they can, at least there's something that they can kind of, that Jankovic can pull out of this team to get some stops at some point. But hell, if they are top 25 on offense, and right. top 85, 90 on defense. I mean, you're looking at a team that is going to be, again, not the best in the AAC, but a really, really competitive team in the AAC. And I think one that we're going to be talking about in March. Pretty. Yeah, pretty- this is going to be a team that I think could pick some teams off, right? If they, this is a team that like, it's the team that, it's the kind of team that like Houston would hate to play against because like you can try to shut down Kendrick Davis and Zach Nuttall has 27, right? Something like one of those teams where one of those, uh, kind of games where they have so many players who can get their own shot now that even a poor performance from a Kendrick Davis or a Zach, not all cool. There's Weathers, right? There's Marcus or Michael Weathers coming off and they're doing their thing. So the only thing I'm interested in really is it's, it's kind of the, the, there's only one ball kind of uh, uh, thing going on here because of course, Kendrick Davis, I believe he was number one in the country in assister rate, which I did not know until I he just was saw probably. That. I don't know if they they track usage percentage in college, yeah. but he couldn't have been far from first. And I was about percentage. right. I was about to say he had to have been one of the highest in usage percentage uh, easily. But um, so yeah, now you bring in Zach Nuttall, who was a high usage guy at Sam Houston. You bring in Michael Weathers, who was a high usage guy at Texas Southern. And so, okay, what is what do they look like together? So I think it'll work. I think uh, uh, Davis is the natural playmaker of all of those guys. And Zach Nuttall is probably happy that he does not have to have that much uh, of the ball uh, to do to get a lot of his uh, production. But still, does it all gel right away? This this to me, this strikes me as a team that probably has some interesting losses in non-conference as they try to get things together and then go by the time AAC play starts they're hitting their stride and we're really talking about a pretty good team. Yeah. I feel like it's going to be pretty erratic early on. Just like, I really don't know what to expect from, from them early in the season. Uh, Mm -hmm. The one other concern besides defense, obviously I do have is the depth of this team. I'm not a hundred percent sure if they can go eight, nine deep. Um, I feel like I trust their front seven, their, their, their seven guys, core guys pretty significantly, but then you have 
four freshmen. You have two returning or two returners uh, that were kind of reserves last year. And then you have a, a transfer from Loyola Chicago who registered last year. So it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know who's going to step in and be that eighth or even ninth man, but if they can get an eighth player, that's decent. And that's solid. That will do wonders for this team. Cause you, I mean, Kendrick Davis is going to play 35 plus minutes a game. I'm not worried about him. Like he'll play sure. a lot. Zach Nuttall, 30 plus minutes. Cool. Um, it is going to be interesting to see though, if they had, if they need an eighth man to step up who that's going to be. So that's, that's one thing I'm interested So in. I'm looking at it right now. This is, this is pretty interesting. I'm trying to find, Oh no, never mind. Go ahead. I was looking at the usage percentage wrong. I was I was trying to look at the uh, the usage. I was trying uh, to find some some stats on see if I can get a. a, a... The only thing I found Basketball Reference had it at twenty seven percent, I believe, something okay. like that. But I okay. don't know how accurate that is. That's that's an equation I believe they use based on shot attempts and assist or something like that. Right. So you know, it's not as I guess yeah. accurate as like NBA still. Stuff. Uh, he is he did lead the country last year in assist percentage, so forty six point three percent. So, I mean. That dude's a playmaker, so I, I think naturally the the game's gonna still flow through him, but not as not nearly as much of it, which I think will be a benefit for them in the long run. Yep. All right, eighteen game AAC season mm. here for the men of SMU. What are we thinking here? What are we thinking for? Yeah, let's see. I'm gonna go with. Hmm. Eighteen. I'm making you go first. I know this I don't care. sucks. I hate it. Eight. I'm gonna go twelve and six. Yeah. Okay. That's a. I think that's a little bit. That's that's balancing my pessimism and optimism a yeah. little bit. I think that, that feels, I'm really excited to watch this team, but I do want to still keep it realistic. That that does feel feel safe, yeah. not in a bad way, not in a bad way, but it, right. it does feel like the 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 most likely outcome. I think. It's probably 12 and six. So you have like Memphis on here, you know, Cincinnati on here, Wichita state on here. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Houston still. I mean, this is not going to be fun. If they don't figure it out on D if if they're outside of the top 100 and I go off of Kim Palm for all of my kind of rankings, Mm -hmm. they're outside of the top 100. I can't see them holding up. I mean, they were 76 last year. If they don't stay in the top 100, I just don't see them holding up at all, but Hey, I'm going to be watching every game and I'm going to go, 13 and five. That's Ooh, here we go. Feels, all right. It's one up in me. All right. That just man. feels wrong. Just feels wrong, but we're going to go with it. Cause I, I like them. No, no, that's, I, I think 13 and five is re- uh, kind of realistic. If they hit their ceiling there, they're going to be the ACU of last year. How we liked watching ACU and kept telling yeah. them that we're just going to be like, I don't even care if they're good or not. I just want to watch this team. And I, I hope everybody else does too. So they're going to they're gonna be like eight and eight in like going into March. And we're just going to be like, I don't care. Keep watching put SMU up, put up nine, put up 90 points here. I'm watching them play Tulsa today. <laughs> Let's go. Let's do it. All right. Uh, On to the women of SMU six minutes. Starting all now. Righty. Um, well, there's not a lot to recap from last year. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say, they got through what four games? How many games six, did they get through? Six. 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 They went 0 and six, and they went 0 and two in conference. Uh, and then they shut it down. And uh, now new head coach. I don't. Who was last year's head coach? Uh, Travis Mays was the head coach last. There year. you go. Um, this year, new head coach Toyella Wilson. Um, uh, she went from being the Prairie View head coach to being a Baylor assistant to being a Michigan assistant to now the SMU head coach. Um, the, the unknown is a really interesting thing because you look at it. I think I have them down for two returning starters with, uh, Kayla white and, um, uh, pay Bayless. 
I, I probably butchered that, but whatever. Uh, Bayless at 6'5", center. Uh, so those two returners. Then you have a couple other returners in the kind of rotation area, um, Amber Bacon um, and a couple other players. So you do have that. And then you bring in two Rice transfers in Jasmine Smith and Sidney Wiggins, which I think is really, really big for this team just to have a little <laughs> bit of guard depth and continuity there. So I feel really good about the guard depth on this team moving forward. But uh, you're looking at just uh, UMass transfer Daniel Sanderlin, who averaged a double-double last year uh, at UMass. Uh, Notre Dame transfer um, Amira Abdul-Rahim. Rahim. Uh, Indiana rotation player Kiana Worthen. Florida State rotation player Savannah Wilkins. So it's just a new team completely. Just mm-hmm. clean the slate pretty much. New head coach. Scrap everything you thought you knew about this SMU team. And uh, going into this season, just uh, going into go into this season expecting to just learn about what this team is and Wilson as a coach. Right. Yeah, I think that I think uh, I'm trying to think. I think Wilson is also the first female black head coach in SMU history, like program, like yeah, yeah like in any sports. So I think that was another kind of a another barrier kind of broken down there as well. Yeah, they are really really fascinating, huh? The no, old too. Sorry to cut you off. I mean, right, no, no, exactly. Senior, grad, senior, grad, senior, 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 senior. Yeah. Grad, senior, grad, senior. <laughs> right, right. So I think that there's so much here because, of course, they lose, They had they had an interesting prospect last year in Riley McKinney who started a couple of games, and she's obviously off to Texas Tech now. I do think, like you mentioned, it was smart to bring in some players from Rice who can contribute immediately. Sydney Wiggins, I think, might probably work her way into the starting lineup probably. Yeah. Um, I know Amber Bacon is back as well. That was a big pick. That was a big uh, uh, decision returner for them. And so, yeah, it's kind of fascinating to really wonder what this team is going to look like because how much can you really take from last year? Like nothing. Part part of me wants to be like, okay, they, you know, zero and six. That's that was obviously a problem. Um, obviously, obviously, I want to look at the the numbers and be like, okay, they were pretty bad offensively they were pretty poor defensively like i'm trying to think they rebounded okay i think they were top four for those six games they were top 40 ish in rebounding so like that was kind of a little thing you could put in their in their basket but six games i don't know what you want me, what do you want me I, to go off of nope, nothing and so it's conversing that they're like you mentioned they're also experienced and so it's like I don't know. Looking back on 2019, 2020, they were still pretty bad offensively. Yeah. Uh, in that year, they shot 37% as a team, 64% from the free throw line, 27% from the three point line, still a good rebounding team. They were eighth in the country in uh, offensive rebounds per game. Uh, kind of had about, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, 28th in the country in total rebounds per game. So that was the year before when they played a full schedule they could still have that good, solid defensive, uh, that's good, solid rebounding foundation, but I don't know what Toyo Wilson's it's, system it's looks com- like. It's just a completely different team. It's a completely yeah. different coach. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not expecting anything from, from the last two years. I, I, True. which I mean, stylistically cult culture wise, I have just no idea. And it's Jasmine Smith, Sydney Wiggins, Kayla White, like, they're all experienced and we kind of know what they are to an extent, but like playing together is just such a different animal mm-hmm. that I, I don't, I don't know. They have two players over six foot. They had mm-hmm. uh, Bayless and uh, Abdul Rahim. I mean, those are the only two. And so I've quite, I mean, they have a ton of guards on this team. I was just typing them up and it's like, 
I think they, I have them down as two forwards and a center pretty much. Like I'm sure you can obviously, some of those are in betweeners, but I basically Mm -hmm. have them as two forwards and a center on this team. So we're looking at a lot of four out type stuff. We're looking at a lot of smaller lineups, potentially if, if Bayless gets in trouble or if there's foul trouble in the front court, I don't know where they turn because they don't have like, like Sydney Wiggins is 5'11". She's like the fifth player, tallest player on this team. Like Daniel Sandlin, six foot. I have her as a forward. So I'm, I'm, I don't know enough about the AAC women, like as a conference to know, like, is the bottom really bad? Is the middle really bad? But like, there's some talent here. They could do stuff. I think so. The problem for me is that I think the top is the top of the AAC is pretty solid, right? You have Houston. I think you have South Florida. I think you have Tulane and I think you have UCF. There is kind of a nebulous middle, similar to what I mentioned with the men's, but I don't know if SMU, if I don't know what to expect about them to say like, yes, they can punch into that. I do think there's a bottom that I think they're better than Memphis and Wichita state. I do not think are very good. Um, I think I'm looking at, I'm looking at two years ago and they handled Wichita state pretty healthily, right? They beat them by 20. And then I think they did the same against uh i think they took both games against memphis as well uh they split memphis but still i'm i'm gonna be very pessimistic of course about this but i think they're better than the bottom i'll just put yeah. it that way um the the december 3rd they play at north texas that's gonna be a really mm-hmm. interesting game and then december 25th 25th they play at home against ut arlington another interesting game those are just two non-conference games i'll be keeping an eye out for them um, all right, you ready to predict? Yeah, I think I'm gonna go with five and thirteen. That feels good. That feels like a good pick. Um I can't go lower than the five and thirteen. I think there's too much. I was gonna say there's too much experience. Yeah, there's too much experience to go like they're gonna be a bottom feeder. Yeah, you know? I, I can't I, I can't see them going less than five. Five feels like kind of the floor, but then again, the ceiling just doesn't feel like it can be nine like i don't think they can get to like nine and nine sure this team um so somewhere between five and eight i'll i'll, I'll one up you again i will go right, six and guy. six and twelve okay i'll go six and twelve with i think that's, i think that's pretty good i mean again new head coach returning a lot but basically did not play basically did not play last year so no. you know it, it, there's there's so much to expect and, and still so many questions though Yep. We're going to price is right. This thing at the end of the season, just be like, it doesn't matter if, if they win like 12 games, I'm going to be the one that was right. So all right, this guy, <laughs> they win two, you, you win that we're going to price is right. It. And then we're just going to, we're going to see. All right. Um, that is SMU next in the, in the Dallas Fort Worth area, UT Rio Grande Valley, um, known Dallas Fort Worth commodity here. Um, let's do it. I will start. No, actually, you do the men's. I'll, I'll okay. do the Go ahead. Okay. Let me bring this up as well. Hey. Of course, uh, it's similar to SMU, but to a different, obviously, for a different reason. There's only so much I can take from what UTRGV did last year. Of course, Coach Lou Hill tragically passes away. Um, head coach, I forgot the, the head coach's name already. We talked about it. Matt Figger. Uh, Matt Figger. He took over. Uh, they promoted him to the, the full-time job. I think that was the right move. But, of course, the team is playing – with such a, it's such a weird mentality to have to play with uh, the rest of the season. They go nine and 10 uh, overall two and five in the whack and they kind of roll over to now. And so 
you know, Matt figure now is the guy that they're used to hearing. And I think they're going to benefit a lot from, from that. I think that the program rallied around him, the school rallied around him. And I think having him as the guy now leading that locker room is going to pay off and, and, and uh, pay off. Of course they lose Javon Levi, who was their starting point guard. I believe he's a UTA now. Uh, he was one of the leading assists per game guards, I think uh, two years ago. And so I think in the middle of last year, he announced he was transferring. So, you know, again, there's only so much you can take from last year. They weren't very good offensively, but again, that's kind of with uh, Levi kind of obviously had his mind out the door um, and then everything else going on. Of course, they weren't very good from three. There were some little nuggets of defensive work that I really like. They were sixth in turnover percentage. They were sixth in non, uh, non-steal turnover percentage. They were fifth, around 50th in three-point percentage. There's something to work with here. And I think having that continuity of Matt figure, because Coach Lou Hill, I, of course, ha- I think had a pretty interesting program going and keeping that continuity there and kind of keeping his vision intact, I think was the right move. Yeah. Um, to start, I guess I'll start. I mean, you, you said they were they were not not great from three. They were kind of just awful. Twenty five and a half percent from I'm three. Trying to be optimi- I'm trying to be nice here, man. Yeah, no. <laughs> 25 and a half percent from three in conference yeah, play. It, it was, was only bad. seven conference games, uh, but still 25% is, is not good. They kind of just, like you said, they relied on their defense in a lot of ways. They were plus 46 deals on the season and they only played 19 games. So you're out. That's just an incredible number. Uh, shot 64% from the free throw line, not a single player over 75%. Uh, they returned Quentin Johnson at 10 points a game, 6.3 rebounds, which was a team high, and Laquan Butler at 9.1 points per game. Um, another departure was Sean Rea. Uh, he averaged double figures last year um, in his games. Uh, and then they went and got some experienced additions here. So you had Mike Adewumi, a graduate senior uh, from SIU Edwardsville, six foot five guard. Uh, Justin Johnson, six six wing from Southern Miss, uh, started six games over there. Uh, Xavier Johnson, five uh, eleven guard, grad grad senior from Chicago State, who averaged twelve points a game and led them in assist at Chicago State. So those are three experienced guys, you know, you hope can step in and really help this offense, especially kind of get mm-hmm. going. Um, and then one player that I'm interested in seeing, because I've, when I was with North Texas, obviously I did a lot of recruiting stuff for them basketball wise. And I see that I saw the name Dante Houston on their roster. And I was like, mm. this is the Dante Houston that I know from, uh, I think he went to Garland or not. Yeah. I don't, he's from Garland. Yeah. Um, and sure enough, it was, I mean, that's a high three-star guy. And he committed to Austin PA, but he had offers from UNT, Mississippi State, UNLV, Houston, Memphis. Like, this is a talented dude here. And if they can, I don't, I have no clue what happened in those situations or what had caused him to flip to RGV, but you got him at RGV and he's a talented scorer. I mean, I mean, he's a talented player. Mm-hmm. So if you can do something with him, that's going to be really, really interesting. That's going to be a big boost for this team, and especially for their future moving forward with Dante Houston. They were yeah. predicted ninth in the coaches' poll in the WAC and 11th in the, by the media, which is the mm-hmm. same tier as Tarleton and Lamar. Right. I think, and I think a lot of that has to do with how deep the WAC got overnight. Um, they're going to be, I mean, they're thrown into, you know, and instantly one of the best mid-major conferences in the country. And it's one of those situations where they could be a much improved team and I expect them to be a much improved team. And they probably could finish around the same as they did last year, just because the team, the, the, the conference just got that much better. So I'm optimistic. Again, I, I think 
I think there'll be a much improved side. I think Matt figure was the right guy to take this, to take this project on again, last year, we mentioned it. They were, it was bad from three point range, right? Offensively, there's tons to work on. It's there's the, it's a double-edged sword, right? They were bad, but guess what? You can't get much. You quite literally cannot get much, get much worse than this. When you look at a lot of their numbers, Uh, defensively, that's a good foundation, I'd say, right? Eight, around 80th in overall field goal percentage uh, or effective field goal percentage defense, 50th in three-point percentage defense, right? There's something to work with there. And I think that there was enough of what uh, uh, what Matt figure was had to work with to, to where that can be improved on. To, to go to your point, um, yeah. I mean, according to Ken Palm, they were – 325th in offense and 187th in defense. So yeah. that t- being top 200 in defense with the team, I'm mean, with the situation they had last year is huge. It's huge. I mean, you look at the other teams around like their area, just as far as like the overall standpoint, I mean, you're talking about like new Orleans was 290th in defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just kind of go down the list of uh, teams around that area. Um, Georgia Southern was 213 on defense. So, I mean, that's a really, that's really impressive. So yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see if they can put it all together here and, and uh, take a step forward. But like you said, the, the, uh, the whack is just uh, very, very good. This year, like is- Abilene Christian is predicted fourth by the media and right. fifth by the coaches. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so deep. And the only, the other issue is this is going to be, I think the other thing that plays in their benefit is this is a pretty experienced team, right? They're not all experienced playing together but these are a lot of upperclassmen. And so I think that's going to play in a lot into how, how good they possibly could be in some games, um, especially defensively. Yeah. All right. Let's see. UT RGV men's was, Oh, I have no clue how many games are in the schedule. I was about to say, I, 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 was, I just closed the, the schedule. Hold it's on, okay. I got it. I got it. Okay. Um, let's see one. We're it's gonna be a counting podcast here. Fill some time. Fill some time uh, with with RGV uh, and the, or the WAC or something. Oh, okay. So yeah, no, I mean the WAC. I mean I mentioned it right. You had ACU, you had Sam Houston's uh, uh, SFA, and Lamar, of course. And so even I mean even somebody like a Lamar, we'll talk about them in, uh, in another episode. But that's probably the team they're going to be kind of combating with um, uh, to punch up from that from the bottom. I think they'll be better than a Chicago State, better than Dixie State. But you know it it comes into that next. Patch of teams, Seattle, Tarleton, uh, California Baptist. It comes into that next range where you're like, okay, a year ago, you guys probably improved and you maybe get to fifth or fourth. And now it's like, eh, now you're, are you probably fifth or fourth from the bottom? You know, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just unfortunate, but um, you know, we'll see. Yeah. 18 game uh, conference season, uh, which I guess makes sense. There's 13 teams in the conference. Okay. Um, man, that, that's <laughs> New Mexico that, State, like the top five, six. I was about to say that is pretty, a nasty top. <laughs> like New Mexico State, Stephen F. Austin, Grand Canyon, ACU, Utah Valley, and California Baptist, and then SMU, uh, Sam Houston, which is always a solid basketball school, is predicted seventh. So, I mean, and then Seattle University. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, eighteen game season. So I'll say this, they have some intriguing, they have a win, they have a close loss against Sam Houston last year, uh, 69-66. They, unfortunately, their game against Tarleton got canceled. Uh, they, they had a close loss against Texas Southern, who made the tournament. They 
lost both games to Tarleton. So, okay, that's actually not great. Uh, let me see. 65-47. The thing is, we've said this before on our previous podcast, preview yeah. podcast, where we were like, all right, this team will be better, but the conference is tough. And which which is true when, whenever we said that. I'm, I'm not saying we were just lying to y'all, but right. like – this is a real, real situation where like your RGV will be better than what they were last year. Sure. And it's also true. The conference is just significantly better. And it I just, just might not matter. It. It's just not probably going to matter. Like, I just don't think it's going to matter. So sure. um, 18 game schedule. <laughs> I, I want to be optimistic here. I might go four and 14. Okay, I see. Okay, good. You'll be the pessimist. Good. You oh, this guy. All right. I, I can go six and 12 now. I'm going to go six and 12 for UGRGV Mints. This I, guy. What's, right. what's their mascot? The Vaqueros, right? The Vaqueros, man. That's a great Vaqueros. mascot. Amazing. All right. Six and 12 for the Vaqueros over there. Let's see. Right. It's at the top eight. All right. This guy making me feel like the bad guy over here. I'm with you, Coach Figures. Don't worry. There you go. All <laughs> right. Me wrong. To the women. Yeah. Um, Head coach Lane Lord, uh, they went six and fourteen last year, two and eight in conference. Uh, sophomore guard Sarah Bershers is na- named to the All Wax second team, coming off a year where she averaged fourteen points, six point six rebounds, and two point three assists, and one point three blocks, and shot thirty five percent from three. Uh, they lost Amara Gregon thirty eight minutes per game, sixteen point five points per game. So you know that's kind of their leading scorer gone from last year. They were plus 2.6. Wait, did league. you mispronounce Amara Graham? Oh, I, oh. It, it, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, yo, who is this player you're looking at? I was like, you mean Amara Graham? What is it, happening? Yeah, auto, autocorrect, autocorrect. I was wondering, I was like, we're gone. I don't remember typing that. Uh, Amara Graham. <laughs> I was like, yo, what is happening? All right. <laughs> no, bro. We, we've gone through so many like hard names that I've tried to pronounce that I've just assumed. You're just that making every, names harder I'm now. I'm like, I don't know what we're doing. All right. Uh, Amara Graham, 38 points, uh, minutes per game last year, 16.5 points. Uh, they were plus 2.6 rebounds per game last year. Uh, they do return a good amount from mm-hmm. last year as far as point guard Jenna Williams, led the team in assists and steals, 6'5 center, Berku Bur- Soizal, uh, grad senior, um, 6'3 forward Eva Belesevich, mm-hmm. and uh, Tiffany McGarity. Uh, sophomore who started five games so you have some returners there um they're predicted to come in 10th in the whack um they committed 166 turnovers to, to and only forced 112 so that's really where the whole difference is because everything else was pretty much the same like then you just get to the turnovers and it's just a wrap yeah um i think sarah bursch is one of the most underrated players in the state um i think she averaged about 14 points a game last year uh, of course that I'm curious how her percent she shot below 37%. I think that might be around the same just because with Amara Graham leaving, she's going to take up the, the scoring load. Um, of course, she'll probably play more minutes as well. I'm 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 kind of she's a great three-point shooter. I'll say that much. She's she's suits about seven-ish per game, makes about 35%. Um, where I'm worried is kind of what's this team's calling card? Because it might just be the Sarah Bursher show this year because they're not that great at a lot of things. They get to the line and they shoot a lot of threes. They don't make a lot, but they were about 35th in the country in three-point rate. And so you see what they want to do, 
but yeah. they shot 30, 20, 28%. Um, and when you have Bursers and, and, and when you have Bursers and Graham who, who made a lot, um, yeah. but now you cut that in half, you know, okay, now you're looking at, now you're starting to look at, okay, who's the next person to kind of take this load. I don't know. Um, that's kind of my worry is I see what this team wants to be. And I just don't know if they have the, 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 the talent this year to really, really do it. Because you look at, uh, I mentioned Graham and Bursher's 36, 35% from three. Then it drops. Tiffany McGarity, 29%. Jenna Williams, 28%. Jordan Lewis, 27%, right? Those are the next three that return yeah. and that you're going to have to kind of rely on. So, yeah, it, it there there's going to be some issues here this year. I think, I guess, similar to what we talked about with Rice, when you play this kind of style, you're just going to naturally catch a team or two off guard, hit a good night. Sarah Bursch probably catches fire. Uh, McGarity probably uh, catches fire, even though she didn't shoot very well last year. Shooters, you know, what, what's the phrase? Shooters shoot. You just keep shooting and you eventually might get some. It might be that kind of year because looking back on it, Bursch's her freshman year shot 29% from three. So if we're looking at it from a, from a standpoint of somebody could improve, Bursch's did. Yeah. If, could McGarity be the next person? Maybe. Right. Could Jordan Lewis be that next person? Maybe. Um, I think there's going to be some improvement there, but I still think we're looking at a team hovering around the bottom of the whack. Are you suggesting Lane Lord is a shot doctor? Hey, we, we, a shot doctor, Lane Lord? Are we, are we running with that? Lane Lord just just makes people great shooters. I, I love it. Let's um, do it. The, they're... They're they're a pretty big team, so I mean, maybe yeah. the, is there there could be I guess some sort of stylistic change going into this year if if they see the front court as being a strength, which mm-hmm. they have a lot of experience with between between Belasovic and uh, Soiso. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's six five six three. Then you got four other players that's six foot and up. Right. I mean, you that's six players that's six foot and up. And we just talked about I think it was what SMU the team that only had a couple over six mm-hmm. foot. Like that's a, that's a pretty tall team. So. If Jenna Williams can lead the team in assist, you know, get the offense going, get it in the right in the right system, that's at least something you can hang your head on. You have some size in that respect, and they were a good rebounding team last year, oh, two point six uh, plus two point six rebounding margin. So, a rebounding team, shoot some threes inside out, see what happens. You know, just try not to turn the ball over as much, and you know, I think you'll be in a better, better position here. So, um, and only forcing 11 turnovers per game in conference is also quite poor as well. So you want to get that up. I think there's going to be, there's definitely going to be some players that are going to have to step up. I'm looking at uh, somebody like an Ariana Sturdivant who was pretty good at Fort Ben Bush. You know, I think she didn't play much last year because they had a a pretty experienced team. I think she only averaged about like five minutes, maybe, Um, maybe even, maybe a little bit more than that, but you know, she's back. And I think she's going to be one of those players that, now that Amara Graham, naturally, everybody, of course, goes up in, in production now that Amara Graham is gone. And so she's going to be one of those players who I think probably gets about 15-ish minutes a game. And I think that as somebody who was pretty – she was pretty good uh, scoring in high school. I think she dropped like 38 and 40 a couple times uh, for Bush. And I think she's kind of that player who I would hope to see kind of uh, become kind of more of a reliable name for them. Um, but again, you add – teams from the Southland. Um, and I don't even want to say that this is going to be a much, and I think it's going to be about the same. I really think this, is about, this team might be about the same. Yeah. Um, Cause I think Bursher slots into that Amara Graham role. Somebody like a Tiffany McGarity could go into that number two, 
And you're kind of, I think you're about the same. I think you're about a team kind of fighting the bottom here. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that, that that's compounding the fact that I don't, that they return a lot from last year. Yeah. And, you know, you lose your top score, but then you also add in the, the teams from the um, Southland end. Uh, that makes it really interesting for me. Uh, and I will it makes say it this, hard. Team, this team in two years is interesting, right? Because they roll over a ton. This is a very, and again, it's COVID eligibility. So like they're probably quote unquote juniors, but they're listed as sophomores. I mean, you basically get uh, McGarity, Bursers, and uh, I'm forgetting the last one. I Jenna Williams all back. They're all sophomores, right? So I think in two years, this is a team that could start to look at as a middle of the pack team in the, in the WAC, especially after they have a year of playing these teams, right? They're going to be used to them. This is going to be kind of them getting you know, slapped by SFA or whatever, but it's going to be a team that is used to this and they're going to be used to playing together and they're not going to have to reload after losing somebody like an Amara Graham. Um, hopefully they can hold on to them, right? Of course, the transfer market's always weird. So yeah. if that happens and, and disrupt something, but I think we're looking about, I think we're looking at a team that's a year away from something. Yeah. All right. Let's predict uh, UTRGV women's 18 game schedule. Um, See, they were two and eight last year. Let me look back at that schedule real quick. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I hope, hope we don't have any UTRGV listeners here. Yeah. Um, it's, it's I'm going to roll, gonna rough. I'm going to roll three and 15. Thinking, yeah, I was, I was looking at that too. Um, let's see. They split with Tarleton. They lost to Grand Canyon in the tournament. They lost both to Utah Valley. He lost both to Seattle. Oh, they split with Seattle. Okay. Um, I'm going to go four and 14 as well. I think I'm going to stick with both for both for men and women. Good, good, good. There's, right. there's some, there's some teams they can scrap with. There's some teams they're going to split with, but yeah, that extra, extra influx of uh, Southland, of course, does not help. So no, it does not. All right. Well, I realized while we were recording, man, we're recording this while the, while Arsenal's playing, man, I'm, I'm glad I could get you for it was, for it, was half, it was half time and they were up two nil so i feel good about it so uh, they ended up winning don't don't worry don't worry you're you're good there you go. got, look how dedicated i am to this craft man yeah that, that is dedication right there there you go um all right that's all we have for y'all today we hope you enjoyed it uh tcu smu and utrgv uh check out our past episodes uh to this point we have west texas out houston out or houston episode one out and uh san antonio out so check out those uh, send to a friend. Let us know what you think on Twitter at DCT Basketball, at Ishmael R. Johnson, and at Matthew Bruni underscore. Uh, check out our content at Texas ba- uh, TexasBasketball.com. Uh, when this is released, will the magazine be out at this point? And like, what, what is it like? Should be. Yeah, we're hoping by the, uh, I mean, we're recording this on the 22nd. We're hoping to get them in the office next week. And so by the time this is out, it should be, uh, it should right. be good to go. All right. Well, if you haven't already, uh, order it, go pick it up um, and check it out. We have a full rundown for that. But yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, check out the other stuff on the, on the channel and on the channel. We're not a YouTube page. But yeah, check out the other stuff on for our podcast and we'll talk to you all later.